Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, everyone. Today's episode features Brooke Turner, the founder of Balance Fitness and Nutrition and the internationally recognized course Functional Fitness for Pregnancy and Postpartum. With over 15 years of expertise in the health and fitness industry, Brooke is a renowned figure earning accolades such as the Australian Fitness Educator of the Year. Her qualifications in exercise, science, and nutrition, combined with her specialization in functional training, nutrition, and mindset for pregnancy and motherhood, make her a leading expert in the field. As a mother of three, Brooke's passion is to educate and empower women on the importance of safe, effective, and enjoyable exercise throughout pregnancy and motherhood. Having personally trained hundreds of women through singleton, twin, and quad pregnancies, as well as various motherhood journeys, Brooke understands the unique needs and challenges that women face during these transformative stages of life. Tune in as Brooke shares her journey, insights, and mission to advocate for keeping women moving in a way that helps them thrive. Enjoy the episode. Brooke, welcome to Positive Birth Australia. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different to the norm. We will be diving into some of your own birth experiences, but our primary focus today will be to get as much valuable information as we can about pre and postnatal education, which is something you specialize in. So to start off the episode, could you just um, share a little bit about your background and what inspired you to become a pre and postnatal fitness educator? Absolutely. So I I am also a mother of three. So I live in um, the far north, in the northwest of Western Australia in a a town called Karatha. Um, I have been in the fitness industry for over 14 years. And I've always been really physically active. Um, exercise and movement has always been a really big part of my life. Um, and when I embarked on my first preconception journey over eight years ago, I, despite having the knowledge and the experience that I had, I still wanted 
I wanted, I wasn't confident. I'd never been pregnant before. Um, and I wanted to do everything I could to, to have this pregnancy. Um, so, you know, every, every doctor needs a doctor, every coach, coach needs a coach. I, I set out to try and find the resources or the information or, or gain that confidence in that what I was doing was actually okay for my body and for my baby. Um, and where I, what I did find was either outdated or unreputable or it wasn't empowering me to move in a way that I enjoy. It was maybe here's a fit ball, sit down and do two kilo bicep curls. Mm. Um, and I think we can all relate to that. The best exercise program is one that you can stick to. And so it wasn't empowering me to move in a way that I enjoyed. Like I wanted to train with intensity. I wanted to lift some some weights. I wanted to, you know, keep moving in a way that I enjoy. So from there on, I sort of made it my mission to create resources for women and exercise professionals working with women, um, you know, so they can feel educated and empowered along their exercise journey, both through pregnancy and then motherhood at, at every stage of that motherhood journey. So um, I do that through my um, internationally certified course for exercise professionals, which is functional fitness for pregnancy and postpartum, and then as well um, through my exercise for pregnancy and postpartum resources. Yeah, amazing. So this one just popped into my head when you were talking about regimes. I feel like that's the biggest issue when you're a mama, you're a busy mama, you're distracted, is sticking to a regime. We all have good intentions when we do these sorts of things, and then eventually, you know, a lot of people I know, myself included, <laughs> you fall off the bandwagon. So do you have any advice on how to keep that motivation going when you're a busy mama? You know? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is making sure that it's credible that you're working with a, a coach or a studio or an app or a program that is actually specialised in this area because the fitness industry isn't highly regulated. There's a lot of cowboys and cowgirls out there. Mm. Um and I think a lot of the time women fall back on, um, okay, my doctor has said this is okay or my obstetrician has said this is okay um, and, you know, so much respect for those professions but they're not the experts in exercise prescription. They're the experts in, you know, what is good for baby, not necessarily pelvic health and abdominal health, um, which all become compromised during pregnancy and then, you know, when we, if we think about stress incontinence and prolapse and pelvic floor dysfunction, often these things only become afterthoughts once the baby's here. And as long as it's okay for my baby, it's okay for me. But it really has to be about what's best for the mum and what is best for the baby. So working with, you know, suitably qualified trainers or studios or gyms, um, that's going to empower you to keep moving in a way that you enjoy. And there's, like, there's so much we could dive into for that because it's a controversial and a confusing topic as well from what you see on the socials you know your favorite mummy blogger what they're doing during their pregnancy versus maybe what your health provider is advising you to do um that can be a lot of what is right and what's wrong but it's for me i really take this approach of finding this balance of you know is there a more safe and suitable way to keep moving um in Mm. a way that's you know suitable to your unique pregnancy journey yeah yeah so let's take it to your own personal experience. What were some of the things you did throughout your own pregnancies to keep your body moving? Yeah, so I followed along with um, my exercise for pregnancy program. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked really closely with a women's health physiotherapist as well, um, um, you know, checking in with pelvic floor activation and endurance and strength. Um, and yeah, for my first pregnancy, I was really excited. I didn't have a lot of fear around um there was a bit of fear around birth itself but I was 
I knew I had that mental grit. I knew I was physically strong and capable. I did a lot of um, fear-releasing um, sort of meditation and whatnot with a, with a wonderful um, friend and yoga instructor, which really helps. I've had three physiological births um, all through a public system um, in a regional hospital. So I just kept, um, you know, so many women have the advice of I'm just listening to my body when it comes to exercise for pregnancy. And that advice isn't enough in its own. So, like, we, we want to be in touch with our body and in tune with it because it, it sends us signals every day, um, you know, if you're getting sick, if you're stressed, if there's something going on, we, we really do have to be in tune with our body. But the thing is, is that there's so many physiological changes occurring within our body during pregnancy that just because we feel good or just because we can move in a certain way, um, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that we should. Yeah. So it comes down to, you know, because pregnancy in itself is a risk factor for pelvic floor dysfunction, for prolapse, for stress incontinence, and you can't see what's happening on the inside. So just because you feel good and you're at maybe 30 weeks pregnant and you're still wanting to go for a, you know, six-kilometre run or um, things like that, we have to take into account all of those hormonal changes, the load through the pelvic floor, the load through the abdominal wall and things like that. So, yes, we need to listen to our body, but we also need to be educated in the space so that you can make informed choices throughout your pregnancy exercise journey. Mm. And so what are some of those specific things that you're talking about? So I would think about um, pelvic floor. So there's that, that becomes compromised, it becomes stretched and weakened, um, all the muscles and tissues and ligaments there as there's growing um, load through the uterus, as well as out through the abdominal wall um, with abdominal separation, which occurs in all pregnancies. And then we also have postural changes. So our centre of gravity shifts forward. There's growing breast tissue, the growing uterus. There's less support to our lower back, um, increased respiratory uptake, increased resting heart rate, increased metabolism. So our rate of perceived exertion when, when you are going for a walk or walking upstairs or doing a group fitness class, um, you'll find that you're out of breath a lot easier than you would in your non-pregnant state. And that's all normal. So it's just about, I remember walking up a flight of stairs during my pregnancy and thinking, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was a struggle. Um, so yeah, we just have to consider like exercise intensity is a really big consideration for, um, for exercising during pregnancy. You know, the amount of weight that you're lifting, um, particularly if you're lifting overhead um, or taking heavy loads away from the body. So women can still keep doing High intensity, you know, like high intensity. I can keep doing like F45 or their group fitness classes or, or CrossFit or walking or Pilates or however they like to move. It's just about modifying it so that it's more appropriate um, for where there are women who might get pelvic girdle pain or pubic symphysis dysfunction. And um, you don't want to stop, but also pregnancy is a great time to start exercising as well. Mm, yeah, because, you know, a lot of women, especially if they've, you know, suffered from any loss prior, understandably can be very protective of their pregnancies and don't feel comfortable doing exercise. So what are some universally safe exercises to implement into their routine? Yeah, perfect. Okay, well, I, I would always say combine a combination of um, cardiovascular exercise, so exercise that's going to you know increase your heart rate while you're, while you're moving, as well as strength-based training. Um, we want a combination of both at any stage of life, um, essentially. And also one of the key things to remember is that pregnancy isn't the time to be hitting personal bests or 
comparing what you're walking or running or lifting or, or doing to your pre-pregnant state. I think that's a real mindset shift that women have to to go down and particularly from women of an athletic background or highly trained background or um, you know, women can struggle with body dysmorphia, you know, they're going to gain weight in most cases unless it's a, you know, a severe HD pregnancy. Um, so cardiovascular and strength-based training is low impact from about the second trimester onwards. This is all really general. It, it is very much case-by-case um, case basis, you know. So for a healthy low-risk pregnancy, we can still try. I like to call it mixed. So instead of HIIT training, it's, I call it moderate intensity interval training, which is basically the pregnancy version of HIIT. So you can still increase your heart rate, you know, work at intervals and then and then recover for a period of time and then and get it back up there. So if you do circuit training or boot camps, you know, you can still keep doing that. Um, and as well as focusing on, I call them like my less sexy but essential exercises for pregnancy and motherhood. And that's all like you can because they're not going to boost your ego, they don't look fancy, but it's focusing on those deepest core muscles like your transverse abdominis, your obliques, pelvic floor activation, um, slow and controlled movements and breathing so that you can have a strong base for pregnancy and then rebuild it into your postpartum journey to get you back and doing, you know, your fun and fancy stuff sooner. Mm. And in your opinion, does a does the the exercises a woman does throughout her pregnancy contribute in any way to a positive birth experience? Yes, absolutely. Um, so, like exercise at any stage of life is is so beneficial both mentally and physically. And if we think about peri and postnatal depression, like the benefits of moving are so 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 important for helping maintain mental health during that time because we know that life in the hood is so incredibly tough. Um, so, yes, huge benefits to training and it can really promote, um, you know, a positive birthing experience but then also promote that postnatal recovery too. So women don't have to be, like, fit for birth. Often there's this dialogue around, oh, I'm, you know, I've got to train for my, for my birth um, or whatever it may be. But that's not the case. You know, some women have hypertonic pelvic floors, so... It's not necessarily a case of doing pelvic floor exercises or Kegels, you know, to strengthen them. It's more a case of down training and relaxing so that, you know, if they're wanting that physiological birth for that to occur. Um, so I think, you know, if that's something for, for listeners who are listening, if that's something you really want to achieve, I would highly recommend going and seeing women's health and continence physiotherapist during your pregnancy, anywhere from like 20, 20 weeks onwards. Um because they can do, you know, a lot of um, risk factors for pelvic floor dysfunctions. If you think about prolapse and incontinence, are, are things like um, a third or fourth degree tear or assisted delivery and forceps, um, long pushing stage. And so I ticked a few of those boxes in my first um, birth. And I think, again, it comes down to being informed. So if during pregnancy women know how some risks can be eliminated, such as, you know, warm manual compress to the perineal body or doing their perineal massage or even a physio, a women's health physio, but doing a um, perineal body measurement, you know, like a little pop stick to, to, because some, um, some women have a short, you know, if you have a shorter perineal body measurement, that can lead you to a greater risk of um, an obstetric anal sphincter injury and things like that. So, um, just making it, it all comes down to, you know, those informed birthing choices um, because I don't want women to ever get to a point in their postpartum journey and be like, why didn't anybody tell me? Mm. Because, like, 
prolapse and incontinence, that women often suffer in silence about that. But the statistics show that, you know, one in three women will eat urine after they've had a baby. About 50% of women at some stage in their life will develop pelvic organ prolapse. So it's very common. It doesn't necessarily mean it's normal, but it's not something that's really well spoken about. So I think having a knowledge of that during pregnancy, like caring about our pelvic health, not just once we become a mum, but in the lead up to that is really important. Yeah, yeah. Can we just expand a little bit on what a prolapse is? Because I know that most of the women I've encountered who have experienced a prolapse don't actually know what it is until it happens to them, right? So Mm -hmm. could you give us a clear definition on what a prolapse actually is and how it happens? Yes, absolutely. So um, we know that the pelvic floor is made up of muscles and tissues and ligaments that sort of stretches from our pubic bones and the front of our pelvis through our tailbone and then stretches sideways from our sitting bones as well. Of course, our internal organs are supported by our pelvic floor now during pregnancy and childbirth and, of course, our lifetime. Um, these can become compromised. And so prolapse is essentially when one or more of those internal organs, the bladder, the bowel or the uterus, um, fall out of place. So they can drop down into or out of um, the vagina. So in terms of like symptoms that can women can feel heaviness through their pelvic floor they might feel a bulge or see a bulge um women with overactive pelvic floors can develop prolapse as well it's, it's not just if you have a weak pelvic floor you know and there's this misconception around it's an old lady thing and i've seen a gynecologist before who has has said those words to me when he's like oh when i saw when i saw your notes i expected you to be 60. Oh. um and i was like are you kidding me like uh, that's not the kind of bedside manner yeah. that you need to be using with with women. So it, it is very, very common. So, yeah. And, like, we don't just have kids and then recover from, you know, that acute birth and postpartum period. Like, I always say that once you enter motherhood, you're there for life, um, which is why we need to think about exercise along our motherhood journey, not just for that return to exercise and postpartum journey because it's not linear. We're not going to get to a point and be like, cool, smooth sailing, here we go. We then have to consider peri and postmenopause and the hormonal shifts and the estrogen drop. And um, often that's when women who, who maybe haven't had pelvic symptoms before develop a prolapse um, because of that hormonal shift and things like that. So it's just something to be aware of at all stages of a woman's life. Essentially, we get to do all the cool stuff, um, <laughs> never really in the clear. So, yeah, it's, it's something that needs to, I would, I would love for more women to be aware of. Yeah. So can you completely heal from a prolapse or reverse it in any way? So it can't necessarily, like in in that first 12 months, you'll typically see a really good improvement in um, the symptoms and possibly the grade. So physiotherapists will will grade the severity of a prolapse. Um, And because if women are breastfeeding or, you know, in that acute postpartum stage, it's the greatest room for improvement. So whenever I've had clients come to me and be really upset, and mentally distressed around oh my gosh Brooke like I feel so heavy through my pelvic floor like I I, I don't want to exercise like I'm too scared like what is happening to me so I take a breath you know like once you stop your lactation journey like you should see an improvement in symptoms and then as you embark further through your that first 12 to 24 months it should improve again if you do the right things and and build a strong base and return to exercise in a, in a safe effective manner um so it's not so much about improving the grade 
of prolapse once there is some tissue displacement it, it is generally there but it's more around improving the symptoms that a woman might experience and her quality of her quality of life can change so um if you have a diagnosis of prolapse don't bury your head in the sand and think your exercise journey is over or you have to deal with that feeling forever um because you know as a third time mum and someone who was diagnosed with this after my first pregnancy like it's you you can overcome it but it is just something that you do need to be mindful of and there's so many you know there's things like pessaries that can be used that's like a an ankle brace for a vagina that um, you know can be fitted to help support those tissues you know during exercise or for longer periods of time um, and they're really beneficial too but again women don't know you know have, they've never heard of a pessary before and they don't know that what's available mm, yeah and so taking us back to your own personal journey you experienced a prolapse was it a prolapse with your first birth yeah yeah Yeah, okay yeah so during your second pregnancy was there any fear around that happening again or had you done the work to sort of prepare yourself for that pregnancy slash birth yeah yeah I had and so with my first sign he like I ticked a lot of the risk factors for that so carrying pregnancy yes he was over four kilos I was pushing for two and a half hours with him um his head was asynclitic so I had an internal tear of um, one of my levator muscles so mm-hmm. I, I sustained a birthing injury like it was an amazing positive experience and I all, all of my three births have, have been really positive but I did experience a birth trauma physical birth trauma from that mm-hmm. um but after him like I recovered I did the work I worked closely with the physio I followed my program um and I got back to a really good state and I'd never felt more physically strong and mentally strong at the same time yeah um so into my second pregnancy there was a little bit of fear not so much I did feel symptomatic towards my third trimester Mm -hmm. um my little girl ended up coming 10 days early she was you know a a short second stage of labor again really beautiful positive experience um and again after her did the work you know so there was there wasn't the, the birthing injury with her it was a bit of a um smoother journey but then when it came to having we weren't done with having kids we always wanted to have three children um but the deciding factor as to whether we were going to have our third little boy or not was how in my head it was that doubt and that fear around could I go for a run again would Mm. I be dealing with symptoms every day because when women are symptomatic it can be all consuming it can be all they think about um and I'm speaking from experience here Mm. so it was definitely despite having had two amazing pregnancies and deliveries my third time around was the most fearful experience of all of them um I was actually I had managed to get myself booked in for a planned cesarean section um I didn't didn't want to have to go down that route after having really good experiences with my first two um but I think it becomes down to being educated, being informed, and therefore you can be empowered. So mm. I, being in a public hospital, I had been told that I wouldn't be able to have an elective C-section if I, if I wanted to. Like, you know, it, normally it's for high-risk type pregnancies. Mm. Um, so I did a lot of work with my women's health physio, talking about options and you know, weighing up risk versus reward, and meeting, meeting with urogynecologists who supported me um, and allowed me to book that cesarean section. But in the end... Um, Brody came um, spontaneously, so that was amazing. I got my third positive vaginal delivery, um, and all of that stress was, was for nothing essentially. But 
um, yeah, I didn't want to have to go down that route, but it was nice having that option there because if yeah. I did go overdue, you know, my boys were always quite big babies. The biggest thing I was terrified of was, you know, a cesarean section doesn't, and I think, again, it's a bit of a myth, women go, if I have a C-section, I'm going to protect my pelvic floor. Mm. Um, pregnancy in itself is a risk factor for pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, so you can't eliminate that. But what is what a cesarean section does do is provide protective factors to things like a third or fourth degree um, tear, you know, the, need, the need for the use of forceps um, yeah. long, or any other sort of birth trauma that you can sustain. And that was what I was fearful of. And everyone said, you, you shouldn't have, you know, a third or fourth degree tear, you know, your body's done this before, blah, blah, blah. Um, and yet in the end, it, it was amazing. So affirmations were a really big um, thing for me throughout all of my pregnancies. But mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose having been diagnosed with prolapse after my first and then navigating another pregnancy and two postpartum journeys and then my third, it, there was a lot of fear and doubt in can my body handle this and, and what, is it going to make it worse if mm. I have another baby and I have another vagina delivery? Um, and two and a half years almost into this third postpartum journey, my exercise return to exercise journey has been slower. My symptoms were initially worse. Um but, you know, I, I'm, I'm not at a point necessarily where it is any worse than it was after my first and second. So, okay. you know, that's a really positive outcome for me. Yeah. And you would put that down to the work that you've done throughout, which has helped keep sort of, you know, like if someone was to have these experiences without doing the exercise in between, it would be a, probably a very different outcome. Do you yeah, think? absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. If, you did, if you don't do the work, then... Yeah, you, you, can, you can absolutely, yeah, 100%. And, I mean, you have to do the work, but you also have to make smart choices too. Yeah. And it comes down to, you know, losing the ego when it comes to training during pregnancy. And mm. you see women lifting crazy, crazy loads or doing, like, you, you can still train with intensity and be dynamic and whatnot, but it's just about being, you don't have anything to prove. You don't need mm. to be squatting however many kilos or, running however far you want to run or whatever it may be if you don't make smart choices now I like to think of pregnancy is like your forced off season yeah so taking that mindset shift to okay this isn't forever this is just a period of my life where I'm tapering my exercise down and changing up what I'm doing a bit so that I have longevity of exercise for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. so when you went into your third um spontaneous labor was there any fears that arose in that moment yeah absolutely so um a lot of the work that I'd done in the lead up to that you know the um perineal body measurement um Mm -hmm. massage um I was very clear in my birthing preferences that if I was to have a spontaneous labor I needed to have like manual compress as the baby's crowning um, to support that tissue and then affirmations as well. So um, like I knew that my body could do it. So once I went into labour, I was like, yeah, this is fine. But when it, when it got to that pushing stage, I, 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 I fought with my body a little bit compared to the first two. So the first two, I was very much working with it and excited. But even during that stage of pushing, it was, oh gosh, like I, I don't want to push too hard, and yeah. you know anything yeah. else happened. But then once he was in, like once they were, um, my last two were born in the shower, and it was amazing and beautiful. And 
once he was here, I was like, oh my gosh, that like it, it's just the best thing. And I was mm. like, I don't know what I was worried about. <laughs> um, yeah, I think if you do the work and if you are informed, like, the best thing you can do is get educated and informed because that yeah. will then lead to having empowered choices. Yeah. Okay. So getting educated, like does that, what are some of the things that you offer for women to get educated around this? Yes. So I have my, what I call my happy, healthy pregnancy ebooks, and there's exercise nutrition for pregnancy. And then I return to exercise um, and nutrition for postpartum recovery. Mm-hmm. And these are like, this is the, the manual that every woman should have during their pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, because it talks about all of the physiological changes that are occurring and then how you can apply that to your exercise regime as well as in-depth training programs to follow during those times as in addition to modifications and regressions, women who might have pelvic pain, um, you know, high risk, low risk, all the contraindications to know because you can jump on Google and do a few generic searches or whatever it may be but like I said, eight and a half years ago, that's when I made it my mission. To, like, I need to have this one-stop resource that women yeah. can rely on and turn to, to to gain that confidence and clarity during a really overwhelming time in their life. Um, mm. And it's actually undergoing a very exciting change at the moment. I'm working very hard behind the scenes on um, taking all of that information from my PDF eBooks and putting it into a Ubu app. So we've got oh, our... Nice. 12-week pregnancy program and our um, eight-week rebuild program so that once you you can do that during pregnancy or essentially from birth um, to help build those foundational building blocks to get back to doing what it is you want to do. Mm, Love that. That's so exciting. I'll link all of that in the show notes for my listeners. Um, Talking about abdominal separation. Obviously, I I carried twins to 40 weeks. Yes. So you can imagine it's quite, it's actually not that bad. I did do a little bit of exercise, but there is still a slight Mm -hmm. separation. But what is some advice that you could give for women that experience abdominal separation? Yes. So, and this is where it's not something to be fearful of during pregnancy because every woman is going to experience that. So, yeah, so during pregnancy, there's things you can do that can, you know, make it worse and put more pressure mm-hmm. through that connective tissue, that linear alba that runs through the midline so that those six-pack muscles can separate. Um, and so doing things like anything that's going to increase pressure through this, so mm-hmm. forward flexion, so like crunches or lifting um, heavy loads, not breathing properly. So we can help to eliminate that during preg or lessen that. And like I said, with my less sexy but essential exercises, so like, um, you know, and they're all through the program, but like lying leg extensions, pelvic tilts, um, your breathing. And then once you've had your baby, um, there's, you know, oh, I've got a rush to get my pre-baby body back and all of that, you know, rubbish that we need to just, take that pressure off firstly because you're never going to get that you'll have your pre-baby body this is now your post-baby body you've changed mentally physically spiritually you'll never be the same again but you can absolutely be strong and fit have a banging body you know love love yourself again Mm. so be mindful of going back into things too soon so like planks um sit-ups crunches heavy overhead loads and you have to do the work so I always say the way that you regress your training or exercise during pregnancy is the way that you progress it into your postpartum journey Mm -hmm. so you're still very much doing um those things you can do lying on the floor while your baby's doing tummy time Mm. while you're netflix and chilling um 
to strengthen those deeper core muscles, your transverse abdominis, your pelvic floor, your obliques. Um, and then doing all of that should really help get that mind-muscle connection back. It should strengthen, um, you know, those deeper muscles that support your, your lower back in the body. But then also not getting to a point in your postpartum journey where you feel good and then you stop doing them. Um, it's like any injury that you might sustain, whether it be a shoulder injury or a knee injury or whatever it may be, you kind of get to a point where, oh, I feel good, so I'm just going to stop doing that because that rehabilitation can be boring, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel like that would be such a common thing that we all do. Like you say, when you feel good, so you yeah. stop. That's such a powerful note yeah. to make. Yeah, I'm so guilty of it as well. Like <laughs> if I might get to a point, I'm like, oh, I'm not feeling, feeling symptomatic. And then all of a sudden I go for a run and the next morning yeah. I wake up and I feel a bit heavy to my pelvic floor. And I'm like, oh, I haven't been doing my pelvic floor exercises. I haven't been doing those less sexy but essential core movements. Like, duh, Brooke, yeah. like practice what you preach. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so it becomes, it doesn't become rehab, it becomes about prehabilitation. So, um, you know, doing those things at the end of your workout program or, you know, a couple of times a week doesn't take a lot, but it, it's, we have to have that strong base for every stage of life. And once it is repaired, it, it should typically stay that way in terms of abdominal separation, mm-hmm. unless we then go on to have subsequent pregnancies and, um, experience that hormonal shift with relaxing and um, progesterone changes in the body and things as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what about, for instance, in my case, like, like you said, I, I did the rehabilitation and then yeah. felt good, stopped. I feel like it has kind of gone backwards a little yeah. bit. Is it something you can still work on later on down the track or is it kind of Yeah, like... no, absolutely. Like you're going to okay. have like the biggest bang for buck soon after um, yeah. because obviously your body, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of in that more fresh state and that's not a technical mm. term. Um, but, yeah, we're going to see the biggest shift and improvement in those early stages, but it's never too late. So if women have kids okay. who are, you know, 13 or whatever it may be, you can still do the work to help to strengthen that. And more mm. and more research is coming out around, like, you know, say a one to two finger separation is considered normal. Um, okay. But lots and lots of um, there's more information around it's not so much about the width of the gap but more around the tension through the midline, so the, the, the tension and the depth through that linear alba. Um, and so seeing, you know, working with a qualified um, certified, you know, pre and postnatal trainer or going and seeing a physio so that they can actually assess that. So you may feel like it's lax through the abdominals, but do things like you can take your feet on the floor and bend your knees um, and then perform like a mini crunch with your hands by your side. So exhale and crunch up. And have a look and see if you can see any doming or bulging through the midline. Mm-hmm. Like tenting is another term for it. Um, hop into a plank position if you can do so in a mirror or film yourself and hop up on your knees first, like with extended arms, come into a modified plank and then have a look at the video or the mirror. Can you see any like bulging through the midline, come up to your toes? And you can sort of have a bit of an assessment there because like, when a woman jumps out of bed in the middle of the night to go and feed her, her baby or to settle them if they're sick, we're, we're doing a crunch. We're sitting bolt yeah. upright in bed and running out. We're not we're rolling to the side and protecting our core. So I, I use terms and incorporate my programming. Like we need to be functionally fit for life in the hood because we're going to be lifting things. We're going to be carrying things. We're going to be moving in a way that stresses our body. So it's never too late to you know work on your, your pelvic health or your abdominal health. Um, but it's just around having that education. So with a certified trainer, 
um, on my website, there's I've got over 200 in 15 countries if you want to find one near you or online, as well as, again, a women's health physiotherapist is, is really such a valuable tool um, for women around yeah. that as well. Yeah, perfect. So I just want to jump back to talking about pelvic floor for the women that have absolutely no idea where their pelvic floor actually is, because I know that it sounds silly probably to you, but it is a thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, like, it, you can think about it in isolation. Like, I also like to think of it as, like, they're all, like, next-door neighbours or cousins or best friends or whatever terminology you want to have it. Like, your, your, your core, your abdominals, your diaphragm, your pelvic floor, your glutes, like, they're all they're all talking to each other. So having strong functional glutes can also translate to having a more functional pelvic floor um, and the same with, you know, having good breathing strategies and and a functional, um, you know, abdominals can help to promote pelvic health also. So they all really work in synergy. Um, but if you're thinking about it, you know, because it, it is a buzzword, pelvic floor, and I love that it's getting more and more traction in, you know, the last 12 months. Um, basically, you break it up to... Um, a front wall and a back wall. So if you're sitting here listening to the podcast, imagine going to the toilet but stopping the flow of urine. Um, mm-hmm. And that is your, your your front wall. So that is obviously um, your bladder and um, that's a good way to sort of think, oh, okay, muscle activation, stop the flow of urine. Okay, that's there. And then the next one is around activating your posterior wall or your back wall. So that's your re- um, rectum. So if you think about being in a really important meeting, and having the urge to pass wind but needing to stop that. So if you think about, okay, quick, need to let one rip and just hold that one in. Yeah. Um, And then when you do a pelvic floor contraction, it's about squeezing the front and the back wall together and then lifting them up. So I like to think Mm. if you could think about squeezing and lifting the front and back wall and then going up an elevator and performing that for a count of 8 to 15 seconds, that's a a long hold Um, or... there's different cues you can use around picking up a blueberry off the floor with your vagina. Um, I like to use a squid analogy or like a jellyfish. If you think about how they swim, that's how you're thinking with your pelvic floor contraction. So, um, you know, yeah. So it's really, I like to use the term like a functional pelvic floor as opposed to a strong one, because if, if it is too strong, that's when we can develop pain on um, penetration or, um, Mm back pain and um, recurrent urinary tract infections and things like that. So if you think about your pelvic floor, you want to have strength and endurance. So an endurance would be if you can perform a a contraction for a count of maybe 12 seconds um, and then release it and you'd do that a few times. And then also I like to call them quick flicks or pulses. So you do your contraction, you squeeze on, off, on, off, on, off. Mm -hmm. So you think front wall, back wall, squeezing together and relaxing and that's something that you can do, like you can call it the knack. So if you were to sneeze, you would want to do a quick pelvic floor contraction, do your sneeze and let it go. Or if you're picking up a heavy load or picking up your toddler out of their pelvic floor contraction, so quick flick on, pick up the baby, let it go. Um, so there's so much information to take on board around that. But if you – and the, the thing is, as a, as a trainer and a coach, it's really hard. Like if somebody – if I get someone to do a squat or a deadlift, I can visually see that. I can be like, Sky, no, like, that looks horrible. I need you or put your weight through yeah. your heels. Like, I can give you those coaching cues. Mm. If I was to be, you know, if I was to coach you through doing a pelvic floor contraction, I can throw all of the great dialogue out there and you can be like, yeah, yeah, I can feel that I'm doing it well. But 
like I can't actually see or feel mm. you doing that and that's where like working with a physio they can do real-time ultrasound there it's external it's non-invasive or the gold standard is an internal assessment um, where they'll insert two fingers into your vagina and push against front and back wall side to side things like that mm. um to give you an idea of of your pelvic floor strength endurance yeah. activation so yeah. yeah with something everyone you know men have pelvic floors too and they're at risk of this stuff as well but it's a lot less talked about it's not something i specialize in but like our pelvic health is the sum of our experience it's not just pregnancy and birth but it's what were we doing in the lead up you know for our genetics our lifestyle choices mm. yeah ev everything and it's this poor little overlooked thing and that once it does become compromised and damaged we sort of have to live with those symptoms and work to improve the quality of life yeah yeah something that just popped into my head is and i think this is something my mum's probably said to me <laughs> so you can clarify whether or not it's um accurate is holding your pee when you need to go mm -hmm. to the bathroom is that is that real is that like a real thing if you hold your wee it can help strengthen it um like yes and no i probably wouldn't um give out too much advice <laughs> for that because it can yeah, also okay. if you hold into it can also stretch your bladder so that when you actually do go to the toilet you might have some urine retention um oh, so you're not okay. actually completely emptying your bladder but as mm. well like going to the toilet just in case or before you leave the house or you know doing those weeds when you actually don't need to go to the toilet can can be detrimental to it sort of like this more of a neurological connection around oh i think i need to go to the toilet i need to go so it becomes this frequency um sorry urine urgency or urine frequency yeah rather than yeah pelvic floor um yeah so it, it can lead to other issues i mean for me okay when i went to the toilet like after my having each of my babies i used when i was on the toilet I would use can I hold it can I stop the flow of urine as like a measurement for me as okay I'm getting some, oh, yeah. some pelvic strength back like I wouldn't you know because if you do that you, there is risk as a UTI and things like that but for me like it's a really easy tool like I remember going to the toilet and not being able to stop the flow of urine I was like wow that's never happened before um mm. you know this is in those early early days and so then it that was for me a bit of a measurement tool um, that I could use. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's something physios would recommend or not, but yeah. you know, <laughs> it's, it's cheap and it's real-time yeah. feedback. Um, mm. So, yeah, there's lots of myths and misconceptions out there. So I think just, yeah, the, the more you know, um, the more confident and, and empowered you feel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what about, I just want to quickly talk about um, – exercising in your postpartum because a lot of mamas get fearful about starting too early so what advice mm. um regarding resuming exercise after giving birth like what's the safe yeah. range yeah perfect so i would say don't be in a rush um mm -hmm. my my mantra throughout this last pregnancy my mm. sorry, my last personal journey is that you have forever to find your fitness like I yeah. want to be exercising tomorrow and in 50 years time. Like I want to be moving. I want to, you know, be an athlete for life essentially. And yeah. we're all athletes. If we move our body, we're, you know, we're all athletes. We don't have to be elite. Um, so don't, don't rush back. Um, often, you know, we hear about this six week check. Like once I've had my six week check with my GP or my OB, um, I'm all clear to get back to, exercise and yes it is i suppose a clearance to return to exercise but it's not a clearance to get back to your pre-pregnancy exercise levels mm. so 
and, and in my programs, I focus on, you know, that first zero to eight weeks is building the base. So you have to do, you know, basic movement patterns. Um, you know, in that first zero to six weeks, you can be doing a low impact cardio, you can be doing body weights, you can start progressing to lighter weight exercises. Um, mm. From six to 12 weeks, you know, that's when you can get back to the gym or your group fitness classes, but it has to be with an appropriately qualified trainer or postnatal specific, or you need to be able to make modifications for yourself. Because if you go and start doing high impact um, too soon, again, just because you feel good doesn't mean you can. Um, there's still all those changes occurring throughout the body as it's recovering. The guidelines around returning to running are no sooner than three months. Um, mm-hmm. I take a bit more of a conservative approach and do a bit of a return to running program. So just start with the basics and mm-hmm. um, what was like for you, that's okay. You can build on that. So body weight, start to incorporate some lighter loads, start to increase some dynamicness and in, um, impact through your movements from that sort of 10 to 12 week mark if you had a low um you know, low risk delivery. Um, and then once you sort of hit the 12 week mark, that's when you see a really big shift in where women kind of go. Like everyone doesn't have the same milestone. So I think it's really important to not compare your journey to anybody else's, um, mm. you know, because somebody might experience birth trauma, somebody might not, somebody might have extra support at home, someone's baby might be sleeping, yours might not be. Like it becomes this, Mum, and as you know, like mums become energy and time for, and it's this constant juggle of do I have the time? When I have the time, I don't have the energy. Do I have the energy when I do? I don't have the time. So just taking that, removing that pressure, um, not being in a rush, and you know, focusing on sleeping, good nutrition, um, horizontal rest as much as possible in those first two weeks post baby. Because even walking any any load on the pelvis is pelvic load. So even though it's a low impact exercise, if you're walking too far too soon, um, you know in those first sort of six weeks, that can it may impact your longer term recovery as well. Like there's just a lot mm-hmm. to consider. Yeah, yeah, and it's also about mental well being as well. It's not just about um, like the physical aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what it it's about moving for your mental health both during and both after pregnancy. So I always say to trainers, you know, make your sessions mood boosting rather than energy breaking because these women are just moving to stay sane. Mm. Yeah. And celebrate. I always like to say like celebrate those postpartum personal best. So just because yeah. you might've run 5k in whatever time frame before you had kids, like that was your pre-baby PB, like celebrate the small things. So maybe it's that you progress from doing push-ups on your knees and you can get out a few reps on your toes. Like, fist pump that stuff, um, you know, doing a box jump symptom free or with confidence or going for your first one or two kilometre run, things like that. So it might be small in the scale of things, but your exercise journey into motherhood is for the rest of your life. So take yeah. those small wins because it, it's a very non-linear um, journey. Mm, I love that. And just quickly, your exercise or your courses, they you can do most of those at home or is it like a gym-based yeah, as yeah, well. it's all, yeah, it's about, you, you can do them all at home. If you're at home, okay. you, you need, um, it's minimal equipment, but it's, mm-hmm. if you have access to any kind of free weight or heavy water bottle or whatever it might be, whatever load you like to use. So there's always um, like a kettlebell or a dumbbell incorporated into that. So any sort of weight that you have um, and a resistance band as well for, for some mm-hmm. of them. So it's very much minimal equipment, but there is also 
um, gym-based options too. So it's, it's catered for all. So if you don't have access to certain things, it's very much um, prescribed what you can do instead of if, if there's something listed that you don't have access to. Yeah, awesome. I mean, Kmart has everything now, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Really? Well-priced as well, so yeah. get to Kmart, it yeah, guys. Need, absolutely. <laughs> there's no excuse to not. Yeah. And I think, you know, even through that whole through the whole COVID times and the pandemic and things, people shifted the way they exercised and things yeah. as well. And you just need to be flexible when it comes to your exercise journey as a mum, like in removing those expectations. Maybe you used to be able to train for 60 minutes a day, interruption-free, um, the perfect workout doesn't exist when you enter motherhood unless mm. you're using a crèche. Um, so I think you just have to, like that would be my advice as well, is take what you can get and um, be, be proud of yourself for giving it a crap because there's always going to be little ones that demand your attention and them seeing you prioritise yourself is, um, you know, setting them up for success later in life as well. Yeah, love that. So to wrap up today's episode, what would be, I mean, I know you've covered a lot of topics today, but what would be kind of your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers listening? Yeah, it would be um, get interested in your pelvic health mm. during your pregnancy or your preconception journey, not just something to think about once you've had your baby, um, because that will help you make smarter choices during your pregnancy. Um increase your your knowledge in this area so again like check out my resources or work with a qualified trainer so that you have that confidence and clarity to move in a way that you enjoy um and then once you enter that motherhood journey there is no rush um and 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 i know it can be hard but try to remove that pressure you do have forever to find your fitness you don't need to bounce back Mm. um yeah you want you want to be fit for life essentially yeah yeah, I love that. It's such an interesting and informative episode, Brooke. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all your wisdom with us today. Thank you so much for having me. That brings us to the end of today's episode. It was a little bit different from our usual content, but incredibly valuable, especially during this stage where we often prioritize ourselves last. Be sure to explore the show notes for exclusive information and discount codes for Brooke's app and courses. If you found value in Brooke's expertise and enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to share it with others who may benefit. Your support means the world to us. And if you're a fan of PBA, we would be immensely grateful if you could take a moment to leave a review on your podcast platform and hit that subscribe button to stay updated with our latest episodes. Your feedback helps us continue bringing you inspiring stories each week. Thank you so much for being a part of our community. We'll be back in your ears next week with another episode of PBA. Until then, take care, stay curious, and continue to embrace the beauty of birth.